everybody. Welcome to this week's Learning the Tropes. I'm Aaron, And I'm Clayton. And I'm your Romance novel veteran. And I'm the Virgin. And we're your host. Um, and we have a very special guest this week. Hello, it's me. I'm producer Patty. I'm here to talk about a movie. <laughs> uh, he loves his movies. I do. I love movies so much. This he re- quarantine he's, has really taught me how much I love movies. It's only 1.30 in the day today and pat has already watched a full movie yeah it's a little light today i should have i should be up to two before lunch so (laughs) yeah aaron why are you shaming him for his lack of movie watching today although i was reading a romance novel all this morning too so i guess we're both just very on brand this memorial day yes you gotta stay on brand if if this pandemic has taught us anything is that you have to stay on brand Mm-hmm. Or you won't survive. Mm-hmm. Know your brand. <laughs> stay on brand. Well, do the thing that makes brings you joy, I think, is the big thing. If you love movies, watch every single movie. And if you love romance novels, read every single romance novel. And do what you got to do to cope. True. While staying on brand. Yeah. So well, how are you staying on brand this morning, Clayton? What did you do? Um, I, I was in bed till noon. Mm-hmm. So that's very much on brand. And I was shredding papers. <laughs> also very on brand, destroying evidence. I like yep. it. You got to. <laughs> I was just I was just shredding all morning. Uh, all right. So we watched While You Were Sleeping this week, the 1995 Sandra Bullock vehicle. Uh, she's a gem. We're all big fans. Yes. What? Yeah. What did you guys think? Well, this is a classic. This, I think, is the rom-com I've seen the most next to Notting Hill. Uh-huh. And I, we can get into this a little bit later, but I was in love with Sandra Bullock when I was younger. Around this time this movie came out, I would have been 14, and she was my number one crush. Oh, yeah. I mean, mine too, and still, she holds up as uh, as like a great actress and very, very lovable. I remember growing up, my mom always made fun of my dad because Sandra Bullock was my dad's like favorite actress, and he was she would always be like, "Ooh, Sandra Bullock, Billy." So, Pat, what are your what is your thoughts on Sandra Bullock? Other than she is a superstar, a continuing megastar, which is rare in the movie industry now, but like. Personally, what is your thoughts on Sandy Bullock? I love Sandra Bullock. I mean, even if she was an actress who uh, whose talents I didn't care for, which I do, I would respect her so much for being such a big star. Like you said, it is just so it's so lovable to see a movie star stay a movie star for as long as she has. So I love that about her. I love that she's still very famous and could open a movie. I yeah I mean I've been into her since Demolition Man, like I yes. was on I was on that train from the first station. Yeah, <laughs> I I was very much like who is this, who is this woman in this movie? And then when she was in Speed, I was so smitten. Mm-hmm. And and then this this was the movie that put it over the top for me because this was a not an action film. We really got to know her more as a character. Although I do think her character in Speed was more well-drawn than most of those 
kind of female roles in those movies. Right. Well, she was in, in that movie. She's in the action. She's not just like waiting to be saved or, or one or on the phone. Yes, she's not. <laughs> yeah, she's not a phone wife or phone girlfriend. But I but I remember when this movie came out, there was a lot of articles about her and my mom. She was a People subscriber. She subscribed to People magazine. Mm-hmm. And I remember taking her People magazines anytime Sandra Bullock would be in it and cutting the pictures out of Sandra <laughs> Bullock. And I had a little manila folder that was Sandy Bullock pictures. <laughs> and nothing un- untoward happened with them. Nothing uncouth. It was <laughs> just like a crush. She was like mm-hmm. special to me. You know, and she was a nice girl. That was the thing. She was America's sweetheart. She she was taking up the mantle that Julia Roberts had just let fall. And I feel like that's that's something that I was never a huge Julia Roberts person, although I respect her stardom. I was more of a Sandy guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other thing about this movie is... It is like star studded full stop, but Bill Pullman and Peter Gallagher as sort of the love triangle, the two brothers was fantastic casting because they are both super hunky, but super hunky in their own sort of way. And I remember I had a crush on Bill Pullman, I think when I was like young too, because I remember like my cousins and everybody loved watching Spaceballs and I would watch Spaceballs, but not having a crush on him but not understanding like what crushes were and just being like i just want to stand next to that man (laughs) (laughs) and i still do i still want to stand next to bill pullman um so yeah just hunkiness all around yeah his their their chemistry pullman and bullock's chemistry in this movie is i think off the charts Mm -hmm. it is such a it feels so natural especially when they're walking around and and getting to know each other. Those scenes were very much like, wow, this is very real to life. Right. Well, real quick, so mm-hmm. we got we got in trouble for a lot of things on the <laughs> Bridget Jones Jones's diary episode. Yeah. One of the things we got blowback for is not doing a just explaining what the movie's about. Mm-hmm. So, very quickly, While You Were Sleeping is about Lucy, played by Sandra Bullock, who works in Chicago. She works at the... It's not the subway, right? It's the... The L train. Uh, elevated, yeah, elevated trains. And she takes the the little tokens, which is funny that they still have tokens back then. She sees Peter Gallagher's character every day. She has fallen in love with him, not knowing anything about him. And one day he's set upon by some punks, I guess, that (laughs) push him onto the train tracks. She runs over. She tries to wake him up. He doesn't wake up. She rolls him off the track just as the train is coming. And then... When they're at the hospital, she can't go and see him because there's a very, very strict to the point of insanity 
orderly or somebody who works at the hospital that was like, no, no, only family, only family. And she says under her breath, I was going to marry him. A nurse hears that and assumes that they are getting married and they're engaged. So she tells everybody that they're engaged. And before she can say anything to the contrary, the family hears this, finds out that she saved him and goes nuts. And Lucy doesn't say anything. So she is pretending to be this guy in a coma's fiance, even though they have never spoken. Mm -hmm. And then Bill Pullman comes in as the brother. He starts grilling her, then believes her, then stops believing it's like back and forth. But they do fall in love along the way. And that's pretty much it. But I forgot how the nurse was the person who made the lie for Lucy. It wasn't her. Right. And then Lucy sort of goes along with it. And I mean, this... I really love this movie for so many reasons, but I think that Lucy, you really understood why she would be so enchanted with this big boisterous family. And the reason why she doesn't tell the truth immediately, you also understand without doubting that she's still like a good person and would ultimately tell the truth. Um, Because, Saul, who's their, like, neighbor, godfather, like, best friend, knows that Lucy is not really his fiance, but tells her that, um, like, the grandmother's heart is so, um, it's not great. And so then he, uh, if she tells the truth, like, it might send her over the edge or something. Um, And so and Lucy is somebody who's grown up, like, profoundly lonely, And you sort of see a few scenes of her being so lonely. So you can understand, like, especially this all takes place basically from a little bit before Christmas to a little bit after New Year. So it's not a whole lot of time. So you see why, too, she would just be like, oh, it's so nice to sort of like be in the bosom of this family for a little bit, you know. When also her family is dead. Her mom died. She doesn't remember her mom. Uh Her dad got sick. And they moved to Chicago to try and find a cure for him. And then he got sick of being tested and and trying to find a cure. So he passed as well. So she hasn't had anybody in a very long time. Mm -hmm. And that's, again, like you realize why she is somebody who just wants that family. Because she always spends, she always spends the holidays working. Because she has yeah. nothing else to do. Pat, what is what is your memories of this movie? Did you see it when it came out? I, I mean, I'll, I, I definitely would have seen it on cable when it came out. I know I didn't see it in the movie theater. Um, I got to say, I'm not a huge fan of this movie. And this on the price. rewatch, it didn't really change that that much. I love her. I think everyone in it is really good. There's just like something for me that was lacking about playing with the premise. Like I, I, I just don't think anything to me was great about it. Even though like I, I agree they're they're really good together. Though I still don't feel like I don't know why they fell in love. Um, yeah, there, there's just something missing about this for me even though I really like everybody who's in it and there's nothing I dislike about it 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 just always kind of felt like a little blah to me 
and it still was Bilal when we watched it the other night. And now, go nuts, Instagram photo comments. Here we go. Well, <laughs> continuing the controversial opinions on this podcast, Pat Stango, producer Patty, but mm-hmm. I will say that I feel like it's very hard for me to extricate my feelings of about this movie from the feelings I had when I was so young. Mm-hmm. I can't look at this movie in a way that that is you can't be critical. Yes, I yeah, exactly. Like I can't be critical with this movie because when you're like, well, why I don't understand why Bill Pullman's character would fall in love with Sandra Bullock. In my head I'm thinking cuz it's Sandra Bullock. And I I because get it's that. Sandra Bullock in like, 1995, but that's me and I know that that's not a that's not a a real defense. Because you're right, there there are things that this movie lacks, and I think it has a lot to do with, and we can get into this uh, a little bit later, because the guy who directed this, John Turtle, Turtle what is his name? Turtle Tob. His filmography is all over the place. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that is, it's indicative of his kind of, I'll do anything career trajectory that this, this there's nothing really special about this movie. Well, like behind the scenes on this movie, this isn't a Nora Ephron or Rob Reiner or, um, you know, some of, some of the great romantic, Nancy you know, Myers, Richard, Nancy Meyer, Richard Curtis. Like it's not like neither the, the people who wrote the script or the director are like a great auteur who's done a lot of other big stuff so there's yeah to me this movie always just felt like there was just a little bit missing but the cast is so good that it's always like super enjoyable to watch this because I get to hang out with Sandra Bullock and Jack Warden and Bill Pullman and you know like they're they're just like Peter Boyle Peter Boyle yeah like everyone in is so great I just wish that the this script was like a little bit more fun, you know, because when you compare it to something like when Harry met Sally, that is just so full of memorable lines. And then you understand why they fell in love because they're just making each other laugh so much. Yeah. Well, this isn't that kind of movie. It's not like a, it's not supposed to be a big comedy comedy, but I just, it, it just always missed a little something for me. Except for Joe Jr. Yes. (laughs) He's great. He's the person I identify with most in the story. That's what I thought. Like Joe, but also I get, like I get a, him and his struggle of being so Italian. <laughs> that is the thing about this movie that its tone is kind of weird because the director I think likes to work in broad strokes, and mm. Joe Junior is a perfect example of that because the fact that any character would believe that. Sandra Bullock's character would actually be dating Joe Jr. is ridiculous. Right. <laughs> yeah, and it's there's... so weird that that's like a big plot point is like him thinking they're a couple for a little bit. That's like, no, and there's just like a nut. But no, yeah, I mean, I understand that, though, too, because from 
Jack's point of view, like he doesn't know this person. She's mm-hmm. all of a sudden showed up, ingratiated herself to his entire family. It's claiming to be his brother's fiance, his brother's in a coma. He knows the kind of women that his brother normally goes for. And it's not women like Sandra Bullock. It's not women like Lucy. So then I think when he goes to her place and he sees her with this like scummy weirdo, she he is like, well, I don't know this person. Why wouldn't they be dating? Maybe they are. Maybe they're trying to pull a con on my family. Mm-hmm. That made sense to me. Like, I sort of disagree. I very much understand sort of why Jack and Lucy end up together, because I feel like Luce, like Jack is somebody who's always done everything for his family, and he feels like he has to be the opposite of his brother and, um, you know, stays with the family business when he really didn't want to. He wants to do his own thing, but doesn't feel like he can. And Lucy seems to be the first person who recognizes that in him and then sort of tries to push him towards doing the thing that he loves. And they're very charming and they're very sweet together. I think he's charmed by her. Yeah, like I said previously, I think their interactions elevate this movie and and are elevated by the actors if you put two people in there that don't have any chemistry it would fall flat but i think it it speaks to the quality of the cast that this movie became what it became Mm -hmm. right well and i also think it's really hard to put any romantic comedy up against like when harry met sally or something because that's like the tightest script possible is perfection and yeah, it's not when Harry met Sally, but it's like kind of what is. I think for for what it is, I think it is a great, solid rom-com. I was trying to think, because the premise of this film, where Lucy is obsessed with someone she's never talked to, and that level of obsession in any other actor's hands could come off as exceptionally creepy but it doesn't here and i guess again that might be my bias towards sandra bullock but can you think of anybody else that could pull that off because originally it was supposed to be gender reversed which would have been insane oh no that's upsetting but with Sandy, there's just something about her that you you assume that she's going to do the right thing. You assume that she is lying because not out of malice, but out of, number one, a misunderstanding that she doesn't want to hurt, you know, she doesn't want to cause a heart attack, which is funny because I just rewatched The Proposal, and there's a similar plot point in that with Betty White, who is Ryan Reynolds' grandma, and Sandra Bullock is Ryan Reynolds' boss, and she's going to get deported back to Canada, and they have to lie about getting married. And one of the reasons they can't come out and say the truth is because they're afraid Betty White is going to have a heart attack. So this is a reused trope Mm -hmm. that has been in more than one Sandra Bullock movie. But you understand why she is doing what she's doing and you don't falter. There's never a point where I'm like, Lucy, you are a bad person. Right. That's such a, that's such a cool trope. The don't want to give an elderly person a heart attack. So I continue to lie trope. (laughs) I wonder if there's other 
I wonder if there's other movies that have it because it, it, if there's two Sandra Bullock movies that have it, there's got to be more than just those two. She can't. Yeah. She can't have the monopoly on that trope. Yeah, there's got to be a Meg Ryan movie we're forgetting about where she doesn't want to give an old person a, a heart attack. <laughs> well, do you think like Meg Ryan could do this part or Julia Roberts could do this part? I do. I mean, the, the idea if this was a gender reversal, it would be I don't think that there are any actors who could do the Sandra Bullock part. Like, I think there's just a menace and a man lusting after a woman he's never spoken to that just like doesn't really exist when it's a woman lusting after a man that she maybe hasn't spoken to. It would um, have to be a horror movie. Like the, the general right. reversal of this plot is definitely a, a, a Wes Craven movie. Right. It's, it's Michael Keaton and it's a Pacific Heights situation. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, Michael Keaton would be great in the gender reversal horror version of while we were while you were sleeping. <laughs> It'd be uh, called Don't Wake Up. Don't w- <laughs> It'd be like instead of I fell in love with your brother, it's I murdered your entire family <laughs> while you were sleeping. Um, what if what if what about Tommy Hanks? What about Tom Hanks? Oh, I think if he- anyone could do it, Tom could do it, but I, I still don't have th- that much faith. I could see Tom Hanks circa big. Yeah, th- this era. I mean, like mid '90s, hot off of that the the big sleeping and uh, sleepless in Seattle League of Their Own run. The only thing about that, the only thing about that is that he's a little older. The older he, the man would get, the creepier it would be. Right. Because if you if you if he did this movie splash era when he's still relatively young Mm -hmm. i do feel like he could pull it off but he's the only person i mean i'd love to see him try i think it would still be there'd still be like a menace to it yeah i think the woman in the coma would also have to have like a harder edge like it couldn't be meg ryan in a coma it would have to be like susan sarandon Yes. You know, like, I feel like, okay, that's the version of this movie that could work as a gender reversal, which they still should never have done, which is Tom (laughs) Hanks. Susan Sarandon is in a coma. I think that maybe, maybe works. Glenn Close in a coma. That works. But then it's like a horror movie (laughs) the other way where you're waiting, like she's going to wake up and kill everybody. I guess no matter what, it's a horror movie if, if Sandra Bullock is a guy. Yeah, I think so too. Well, it's it's funny because uh, she did a movie in two thousand nine that was lambasted, all about Steve, which is a similar. She gets obsessed with Bradley Cooper, mm-hmm. right? And it did not work this time. And I think that had a lot to do with the script and 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 things like that. But that proves that it's not. Like, this movie does walk a tightrope that most movies couldn't. Yeah. Something else that I really loved about this movie, and I think about, like, rom-coms in general in, like, the 80s and 90s, was that they were rom-coms about working-class people who stayed working-class people. As I was watching this, I realized, like, how much I missed that. I feel like every rom-com after, like, 
I don't know, maybe 2000 or the late 90s. It's all about very wealthy people or people with extraordinarily slick lives. Even if they're supposed to be poor, they still live in a very like beautiful homes and everything. Where this, it was nice to just see like she's a token taker. He is going to start essentially making his own furniture and they're never really going to do more than that. They're going to live like a pretty middle class life, which is like nice. And I realized that I really missed those sort of movies about just kind of like average people falling in love, like working class people falling in love. I mean, honestly, I can't think of a rom-com past, like maybe even this, like maybe even the mid 90s that was centered around working class people because even like the devil wears Prada I mean that's not a rom-com but it's like she's living a very flashy life you know yeah and that's I think the Nancy Myers influence Mm -hmm. but yeah I think I think that's how culture moved more towards like aspirational or I like I know what you mean it's Peter Gallagher's character in here is ostensibly rich right but he's the black sheep of this family because he didn't take he didn't join the business mm-hmm. and he has they don't talk to him enough to to know whether he actually has a fiance or not and that shows that somebody who is rich in this world doesn't have the values that people who are working class do and that has yeah that's not the way that rom-coms work anymore. It's, right. And the assumption is they all have media jobs, mm-hmm. right? They all work in, they're all either trying to be stand-ups or they work for some startup or they work for a magazine, but they're all upper upper middle class at the, at the lowest. Right. And like you said, yeah, she's just a ticket taker. She is a token taker, actually. And she mm-hmm. probably, she's never gone on a vacation she's always wanted to go on a like a european vacation and she's dreaming of that and most of the rom-coms is like i just got back from italy it was fine <laughs> right exactly you're like oh the big the big moment at the end is going to be me buying a one-way ticket to italy to surprise the person and it's like it just wouldn't happen in this and also after she and jack get together you imagine she like keeps her job like i don't think she stopped working oh absolutely Um, yeah she's still she's but she's maybe getting some holidays off because she she has a family well and also that peter it isn't a decision for her like well peter's rich and jack isn't so i should go for peter like that's never in the equation for her at all when she's thinking of like what to do um which i like too there isn't this sort of like obsession with financial stability or or not even just financial stability because i believe that jack is financially stable but just like this this veneration of wealth that i feel like is obviously like very destructive and yeah and it's like i could go for just a a rom-com about like two nice middle-class people again Mm -hmm. i want it back that sort of idea and and it was nice that there wasn't especially compared to all the rom-coms now it wasn't like there wasn't a celebrity playing themselves who lucy just happened to be friends with you know, like, I think that's a big yeah. thing in movies now, um, where it wasn't just like Lucy was friends with uh, Charles Barkley at the time <laughs> playing himself. Yes. Which, like, not like yeah. I don't want to see Charles Barkley in a movie, but I feel like that's always a big thing now is just the celebrity cameo 
as them as a hyped up version of themselves. Yeah, like Trainwreck is, I think, what you're kind of referencing. Yes, here. pretty much. Yeah, where everyone where is a PR is... exec for somebody. Exactly. Yeah, working PR. These these jobs that are kind of unimportant jobs when you think about it. Like you know, somebody has to take the coins at the booth. And that's a job that's needed. And a PR person, any PR pe- people listening, obviously, you know, you, you're you know making a living. I I don't want to disrespect it, but there's 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 less concreteness to it. Mm-hmm. Well, also the thing about being a PR person or in media or any of these jobs that I feel like the overwhelming majority of rom coms have is. They aren't jobs that are available to the average person or working class person because to get on the first rung of that ladder, you need like a free internship. You basically need to work for free three years to then get a low paying job. You know what I mean? So it's like they aren't jobs that like the average person can really have, obviously with exceptions. But and also right now, no one could be a uh, take tokens at a booth. That is not a job anymore. Well, it's not, a, I know, but there's like similar jobs to that right, right. now too, you know, like a job just about like a grocery store clerk falling in. I mean, yeah, like a, a movie about like a grocery store clerk falling in love. That, that just doesn't exist unless it's her falling in love with this mega millionaire, you know, it's not just like her falling in love with a cabbie and then it's just like them having a nice time. Right. It has to know. be made in Manhattan yeah. where it's like, it's crazy that someone would have a job that's not in PR. Or it could happen to you where where somebody wins the lottery. Right. It's like that could like th- that she's a waitress and he's a cop. Like those are both like, you know, regular jobs. But then, yeah, th- the addition of an insane amount of money. Real quick, we got to talk about Sandra Bullock's sweaters. Her outfits were fa- like, that's the other thing I loved. I feel like rom-coms now are so flashy and everyone is like impossibly beautiful and dressed insane and everything's so bright and it's like yeah i sandra Bullock's wardrobe in this was fantastic because it was also like yeah i imagine this is kind of what a lonely token taker working for the l would look like and like wearing those big sweaters is like getting a hug from your clothes Mm -hmm. being just covered and I, I mean, I'm always trying to find the perfect oversized sweater because I love an oversized sweater. But yeah, and we all are. So, yeah, so I love that look. But also, yeah, that's the thing, too, is like she's not you don't even really see her body. It's all about her heart and her mind and her sense of humor. You never look at her and are like, oh, if she got a makeover, she'd have a smoking body, which, I mean, she she is a beautiful woman, but that's, it's it's just not exploited, I feel like, too, in a, in a great way. It's just, they're not, they're not, all of a sudden, she gets a makeover from one of Peter Gallagher's uh, associates, and she's just this hot smoking model now. Well, and it's also, like, informs her character so much that she's just somebody who's, like, a little bit shy, so she would want to wear, like, oversized clothes and try to go a little bit unnoticed. And and it informs so much of her character without her having to say, like, oh, I, I'm shy. I don't like people noticing me. I don't want to be looked at in a certain way. You also understand why, like, Sandra Bullock, who is, like, an uncommonly beautiful woman, 
in this role would be somebody who wouldn't have a boyfriend or who wouldn't be with somebody because otherwise you're you're sort of like yeah why why wouldn't she be with somebody like she's gorgeous but you see that you know through her clothes that she's somebody who probably shies away from that doesn't really um put herself out there romantically probably if she is asked out like might say no um you know it all sort of tracks it makes sense but yeah her wardrobe in this is fantastic and a special shout out to Jack's reversible jean and khaki coat, which I also loved. It was very sexy. Uh, I, yeah. I didn't realize I had a thing for jean jackets, but here I am. What do we think of his coma and how serious or unseriously everyone took Peter's coma? Because I, I, I kind of also felt this whole movie that, like, they weren't worried enough, like... Is is that just me, or or did it kind of feel like the coma was overlooked a little bit? Yeah, because yeah, everyone, like no it, one seemed that bothered by it. They <laughs> they never really thought about brain damage. They never thought right about will he ever come out of it. I, I do think though they, bed sores. It, there was no like I I get this is a romantic comedy, but like how do you not me- have the phrase bed sores be mentioned? I mean, I I think bed sores were just assumed. Right. But like they didn't intubate him or anything. He was just he was in a romantic comedy coma where he just, he just remains sleeping. gorgeous and just is having a light snooze. Like Yeah. And that's why it's called while you were sleeping, not while you were in a coma. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, there never was a moment where someone breaks down and is like what if he dies? Yes. What does this yes. mean? Yes. Right. Uh, another tidbit I love about it is just the sheer amount of pictures he has of himself. Like when he when she is given all of his belongings and she goes through his wallet, it's just pictures of himself doing various activities. And it's just like when actors have a ton of different headshots, like I could be funny, I could be a character, I could do sports. And it's just in his own wallet, it's like a picture of him playing tennis, a picture of him doing this. And then when she goes to his apartment for the first time, the first thing you see is like another like headshot picture of himself framed. And I just thought that was a very funny way to show how impossibly vain this person is. Uh-huh. Well, now that's everybody on social media. Okay, old man. <laughs> okay, old man. Wow. What I'm saying straight is... past straight past Boomer and she put you in the greatest generation. Exactly. Yeah. I, I take greatest generation just on the Peter Gallagher thing, I'm, I'm just uh, looking through the oral history of While You Were Sleeping. And Peter Gallagher does say that he basically was in a zone for a long time where he got every yuppie a-hole part. Um, <laughs> to the point where he's like, in the script, the character's name is Peter Callahan. They were probably thinking of me already. <laughs> That's funny. And he was great. Yeah, but he... He's so good in this. He's so good doing nothing. Yeah, that is that is actually an unsung part to to an an unsung skill to be a sleeping guy who draws focus. Mm-hmm. And he's so fun when he wakes up. Yeah, because he is. You can tell that he's not a great person, mm-hmm. and he is trying to force himself to fall in love with Lucy because it, it people are giving him evidence that it's a good thing for him to do and a move forward for his evolution as a good person but he is like a knight he would be a nightmare 
I, my favorite line from this is that so Lucy has a boss at the at her job and she will talk about this situation to him and when she falls in love with Peter Gallagher's brother she she says how she's torn or whatever and she's like what's your advice and he's like pull the plug and she goes <laughs> and and he's like that she's like that's so cruel that's so cruel and he's like you're cheating on a vegetable <laughs> He well, was great. So that guy, okay, I mentioned this to Aaron while we were watching it. That guy was like kind of fucking with Lucy because mm-hmm. the first time she goes to him for advice and she's already like accidentally told them that she's uh, Peter's fiance. His advice was stay with a lie because they're going through a lot and you don't want to overwhelm them. He basically was the one who said, if you tell them the old lady's going to have a heart attack. And then the mm-hmm. next time she goes to him for advice, he's saying, pull the plug. You can't keep lying. You're going to kill them if you lie. What was his deal? He was like, he gave her complete opposite advice two scenes back, you know, in two different scenes. Did yeah, he change I think, his mind? Did yeah, he, he was like, just always very plug? concerned with his hot dogs. I don't think he was yeah. that. <laughs> he wasn't paying attention. Yeah, I don't think he cared enough about her. Mm-hmm to give her good advice i think like you said he was just like wow let's see if she does pull the plug on him uh-huh yeah he's like not how a cool good would that friend. be how cool would that be if i made her kill this guy yes yeah so he was like a little bit of like a puppet master situation yeah he was a sick fuck yeah <laughs> Yeah, that that was it was so weird. It was it was like he was a completely different person in that next scene. To the point where I'm I was waiting for Lucy to just be like, "What is your deal, dude? <laughs> Do you care or not? Should I stop asking you?" Right? Should I stop asking? He's like, "Yeah, pull the plug on telling me about this." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because um, so she shows up to that party for New Year's. Mm-hmm. And Bill Pullman follows her, and then she shows up, and he and her boss says, "Oh, is that your fiance?" And she's like, "No, it's his brother." And he just kind of is like, "Oh, cool. Let's see what happens." Right. <laughs> he doesn't help her. He doesn't try to do anything to help her out. He's just kind of like, "Oh, this shit's getting good." Right. He's, I guess, not really like the best friend role in this movie. Like, you know how in all the romantic comedies, there's always, there's always the best friend. And I feel like he's more, he is the boss. Like, he's sort of like the John C. Riley and Never Been Kissed. Where yeah. he's just like a little bit of like a hard ass who doesn't really care that much about her. And and he's, he we first are introduced to him when he's trying to get her to work Christmas again this year by putting her up for employee of the month, where if you win employee of the month, you get to be on a float, I guess in, in Chicago. Uh, maybe because it's like the Chicago transit authority float or something. I I guess, but it's like, so the person who gets it that month gets to be on the float or is it everybody from the 12 months are all jammed on that float together? Yeah, I think he was bullshitting her because mm-hmm. he was just lying to her, trying to yep. get to entice her into doing it. And she was like, no, I don't want to. Also, doesn't she say like there is no employee of the month? Yes, he is. He is just 
screwing with her. Yeah, he's a villain. Yeah. Well, I guess then if you look he at it. He seems like a good time, though. Yeah. Jerry. And he, he's eating all those hot dogs. He knows he doesn't have much time It left. did make me miss, like, street dogs, I do have to say. Mm-hmm. He, he might have some sort of, he might have some sort of, like, uh, worm in his brain from eating so many hot dogs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he could have mm-hmm. ate a tainted hot dog, and he's got a parasite that is making him erratic. Right. And yeah, giving bad advice. advice and lying and, and cheating and deceiving Right. It's almost like his advice is determined by the hot dog that he just ate. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like you know some hot goes, dogs though. influence him to give good advice and some influence him to be an agent of chaos. It just depends on like how long it was in the water. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess her best friend in this is Jack Warden as the uh, as Peter's godfather. He's actually the one who is the actually looking out for her the most. He he is he is great. He is great in this part. Yeah, Saul. Um so so just to talk real quick about the director because he like we were talking about the tone of this and I do think that the boss being such a bad advice giver is part of the weird tonal thing because to not have him be invested in her success seems like a weird touch. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. So the director seemed to love watching people wipe out. Did you guys notice this? Because at the very beginning of this movie, they're showing all these shots of Chicago, and there's an ice skater that falls on their face. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that? No, I noticed the paper boy. Yeah, the paper boy wipes out, which is only for no reason. The paper boy is not even a character. <laughs> Wipes out on their bike, and then you have uh, Peter Gallagher obviously falling on the tracks, but then mm-hmm. you have Bill Pullman and Sandy, and Sandy Bullock falling on the ice. That's a great scene, though. That's a classic scene. Them it slipping is, and holding each other. Oh, it's lovely. And his pants rip. That's funny. So this director, John Turtletob, mm-hmm. his first film that he directed was three ninjas in 1992, which is a kid's movie about child ninjas. Mm-hmm. And, and then he did cool runnings. That's a great movie. Yeah, I'm looking yeah, at cool his runnings filmography is fantastic. And I've liked a decent amount of his movies. Well, he, he did those two movies, which are kids movies. Then he got to right. do this. Yep. Then he did phenomenon, which is actually a really good movie that i haven't mm-hmm. watched in years but i really liked which has is a, a pure drama mm-hmm. and then he did instinct which is a thriller with anthony hopkins i believe yeah and and uh cuba gooding i think and then he did disney's the kid with bruce willis two of the national treasures movies which are the only two that exist the Sorcerer's Apprentice, so he did three Nicolas Cage movies in a row. Then he did Last Vegas, which was that movie with all those old dudes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Morgan Freeman, De Niro, uh, Michael Douglas. Kevin Klein. And then, most recently, he did The Meg, the giant shark movie. 
with Jason <laughs> Statham. Right. So he's all over the place. Because when you look, it's like action, kids. But the this is the outlier, honestly, in his filmography. He yeah. No other movie is a ro- rom-com. This is his only rom-com. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting that he... Yeah, he, I mean, he seems like he's a director who will reliably get the movie done on time, mm-hmm. which is big. I mean, it's that's a big deal. But yeah, he doesn't. He it's definitely not a director who ha- seems to have like a a, a real style. No, his yeah, style is cash and checks, and I can respect that style. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I like this movie. I don't love it, but you both really love it what are your favorite each favorite scene from while you were sleeping oh mine is definitely them slipping on the ice i think that's the iconic scene and i Mm -hmm. think if you also ask anyone what's a scene you remember from while you were sleeping it's either peter gallagher falling on the tracks or the ice scene but i loved yeah the ice scene was great because i love a moment when like two characters touch each other and then they realize they're sparks and they look into each other's eyes and yeah it gets me i love that scene yeah, I would have to agree that it's that whole chunk where he he drops off the chair that it was their gift, their their engagement gift, and he gets blocked in the parking spot and walks her home. That whole walking, talking section that then culminates in them falling and his pants ripping, that's my favorite part because you see you see them fall in love. Yes. And that's those are the moments that really resonate with me. And that's when I rewatched this. I was like, oh, this movie is great for these little chunks. Mm -hmm. But like Pat said, there are moments where you're just kind of like, you know, where they think she's pregnant. And Mm -hmm. then that's a whole thing. And it's like, yeah, I get that, like the escalation of the kind of lies. But then that actually ends up being nothing. Yes, that doesn't go anywhere. That was a weird one. They thought she was pregnant, but then they immediately knew that, oh, that was probably a misunderstanding. Like, it kind of yeah, di- so- didn't lead to anything else bigger, which is, yeah, that's like a screenplay thing where they just didn't, like, have an idea to keep playing with that. Yeah, so, but I do think that I just liked hanging out with her, and and I thought she seemed like such a sweet person. Like, she dealt with tragedy, the beginning where it's a flashback with her and her dad and how they would go on they they would go on adventures together and you just felt that she was somebody who wanted a bigger life and didn't know how to get it and then eventually is able to get it like her this whole circumstance helped her become a person that had a bigger world and i think that was really special Mm mm-hmm uh, on the ice falling scene, one thing I have to bring up, because uh, when we were watching it, you know, Erin loved that scene. And then she, at the end of it, she was so confused why Sandra Bullock didn't have him uh, come up to get new pants. Right? <laughs> Wasn't that your thing? You're like, why wouldn't she invite him up to, like, fix his pants? Right. Well, because ostensibly he's going to have to wait out till the next morning to get out of that parking spot. And so I guess he's walking back to, like, spend the night at Peter's apartment. But I don't know. I would have liked it if 
she had been like, well, come sleep in my place or Mm -hmm. come dry off at my apartment. I don't know. Just as like an escalation, I think it it would have been nice to have like some moments up there. And it was I thought it was odd that she didn't. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Aaron thought it was very odd that they didn't just fuck immediately. No, I didn't say fuck. He would sleep on the couch or something. But like. Right. You wanted Bill Pullman out of his pants and you could understand why (laughs) that didn't happen. Always. Yeah. Yeah. You were like, she got a glimpse of that tush. How could she not want the whole thing? <laughs> I know. Is, tush in those 90s jeans. It brought me right back. Is Jack a alpha? No. No. Jack's a beta. Jack's a beta. Interesting. Yes. Well, Jack's a beta because he is but he's so, in like, a job he doesn't looking. want to be in. Yeah. And he's everything is in service of his family. And he didn't... He, he did not try to take sandy himself mm-hmm. immediately when he mm-hmm. fell in love with her is so all very there's beta no, there's no alpha in this movie because like peter is not an alpha peter I mean, was yeah. an alpha hole okay until he hit his head and now and then he became a confused uh, he became a beta through a head injury okay <laughs> Well, I don't know that Peter was also necessarily an alpha hole because, like, the few moments you see him before the head injury, he is, like, mm-hmm. helping an old woman and stuff. Like, I I don't think that he was not a nice guy. I think right. he was definitely just, like, kind of the black sheep of the family. And I think his family didn't really understand. He was trying to, like, assert himself independently. I don't think that he was, he was necessarily a bad person. Yeah, I think he just was a shallow person. Probably, yeah. So he he's a shallow alpha. Jack is a like buff beta. He's not buff. He's not buff. Well, he's like he's like he is studly. He's he's not like Bill Pullman isn't buff though. Like Stallone is buff. Well, yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. Against Stallone, no one is buff. But like, I would not say Bill Pullman is buff. That's crazy. Okay, but he's not. I think a he's nebbish. manly because he works with his hands. Right, that's what I mean. So he's manly. He, you know what? I, I guess also, uh, I guess a thing that I like about romantic comedies is the ones that have a nebbish. So it's like the Billy Crystal, you know, movies, the Hugh Grant ones. Like I guess I'm into a nebbish male lead, not a manly male lead. Even though oh, I do so- like Bill Pullman. So you wanted, you wanted Peter Gallagher's brother to be somebody nebbishy. I guess so. Which maybe that, I mean, it's probably not the right move for this movie. uh, But I guess that's what I'm drawn to. Wow. Yeah, no, I would have hated that. Agreed. All right. So do you want to play this game real fast? I'd love to. Yay. Okay, so this is just going to be a quiz to see how well you guys know Sandra Bullock movies. Cool. So I'm going to ask a question, and you're gonna you're gonna name the movie. This is I'll give you an example because it's it's pretty simple, and to try to explain it would be over explaining it. So. Demi Moore and Julia Roberts passed on this hit rom-com that Sandra Bullock starred in. 
while you're sleeping? Yes. Got it. Okay, <laughs> got it. Now, Sandra Bullock replaced Lori Petty in this film. Huh. Is it a rock? Like, what's the genre of the film? It is an action film. Was it... Speed? Was was it... I saw Demolition Man. It is Demolition Man. Yeah. Because uh, that was in the Lori Petty Tank Girl era. Now, this is a deep cut. This is a hard one. Okay. okay. And I'm wondering if Pat will get this. Okay. While shooting this 1996 film... Sandra Bullock found out that she was allergic to horses. Oh, wait. Uh, was she on a horse in the one with Dennis Leary? Is it Two If By Sea? It is Two If By Sea. <laughs> yes. Which that was like a, a bomb during her yes. hot run. And then I think she just had like a bunch of hits immediately after that. Well, Sandra Bullock agreed to do Speed 2 in order to get financing for this 1998 film. Uh, Hope Floats? Oh, yeah. It was Hope Floats. (laughs) On the set of this film, Hugh Grant used to make crying sounds in order to make fun of Sandra Bullock's current boyfriend ryan gosling oh it had to be two weeks weeks notice notice. that is correct two weeks notice he would refer to ryan gosling as the child (laughs) (laughs) that's great that's awesome also you know that his wife is younger than ryan reynolds well at the time sandra bullock was 37 and Ryan Gosling was 21, so there's a 16-year difference between the two. Get it, Sandy. I love it. I love it. And this should be pretty simple. What movie did Sandra Bullock meet Ryan Gosling on? Um, uh, I can't remember it, but I know it's like they're, it's a murder. Like they're, they're trying to solve a murder. Oh, uh, murder, murder, murder by numbers. That is correct. Nice. You guys know your Sandy movies. Yeah, we do. Yeah, she's been making. We're a Sandy household. For Thirty years. She was so Sandy was the first female star to lead a movie to two hundred million dollars at the domestic box office in two thousand nine. What is that movie? Oh, uh, it's either The Blind Side or The Proposal. Uh, I feel like both of those made $200 million. Maybe the proposal was first. Is that your answer? That's my answer. Do you have a different take, Aaron? No, I would, yeah, I would say the same proposal or blindside, but I think the proposal was first. That is incorrect. (laughs) It's the blindside. It is, okay. Wow. Made $255 million domestic. What a and then she, shit that is. And then she won a Razzie the same year for what movie? Oh, All About Steve. Oh, yes. And she that accepted is it, right? She went to the, even though the Razzies are an awful organization. Well, she went to the Razzies and 
she accepted the trophy and took the actual one Razzie that they have home with her because uh-huh. usually they give them some fake plastic cheap piece of shit because they're the Razzies. Uh-huh. And so she went home with the actual one-of-a-kind Razzie. Uh-huh. Don't know if she returned <laughs> it. But she shouldn't That's have. Good. She should keep it. Yes. Just so they have to spend another $80 to make their stupid trophy. And uh, this is the last question. Sandra Bullock was offered two parts in this 1999 mega blockbuster. Can you name this movie? So a movie she wasn't in. She wasn't in, but she was offered two parts in it, and she turned them both down. In 2009? In 1999. Oh. Jeez. In a mega blockbuster in 1999? Uh, Could it have been one of the Julia Roberts movies, like My Best Friend's Wedding? That wasn't 99, I don't believe. Jesus, there's so much going on here. <laughs> I have to think of what came out in 99. Okay. It right. is a, a era-defining movie right. that is still talked about today. Okay, so 99. It's not Pulp Fiction. No, 99 was, was like six oh. cents. <laughs> um, so it's like 99 is six cents. Phantom Menace is 99. Uh, Magnolia is 99. And this is a mega blockbuster. Oh, I got it. I'm going to say The Matrix. Yes, that is correct. She was offered the lead part of Neo. Yep. And then she was also offered the The part of Trinity. Yeah, that Carrie Ann Moss made famous. So they were trying to do reteam her and Keanu. Yes, because originally they were trying to find the lead, and they couldn't find. And all these men were turning it down. Will Smith right. famously turned it down, and they were like, "Well, maybe let's go female." And so they wanted her, and she did not think it was the right part at the right time for her, mm. which is fascinating. Oh, that's yeah. a, that was such a fun puzzle to solve. <laughs> um, but you guys know your Sandy movies. Totally. So I would say this is, I mean, if somebody hasn't seen this movie, you got to see it, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I think it is a must watch for your rom-com education. Oh, yeah. This is, if you haven't watched it, watch it. You'll enjoy it. It's a great movie. You won't regret watching it. I think it's uh, all around. Yeah, it's a thumbs up for me. Pat, are you going to say it's not oh, a thumbs up for you? No, it's a thumbs up. I I, okay. I, I definitely liked it. It's definitely uh, really enjoyable. Um, yeah, my only thing is it to me it's lacking something that makes it a classic. But then again, we're still talking about it twenty almost 25 years later. People still love it. So who am I? Nobody. Yeah, exactly. Good. Yeah. So, but we said in the Bridget Jones episode that that is a must watch and that is in the rom com canon. Mm hmm. I would say that canonize this as well. Okay. That's why I got to say, Pat, is this in the canon? I don't think it's in the canon. You know, like if we're we're putting a canon together that's going to end up being like 10 movies, I don't know if it's in the canon. 
So I is would that vote. What? I would vote. I would vote to keep it out of the canon, but you know, it again, it's not my canon to make. That's for sure. Well, if you're saying ten films, if we are making a ten film canon, which I don't know that we are, I I don't know if I'd put Bridget Jones in a ten film canon. Of of movie rom coms, I mean that's I think what we got here is an episode all on its own. <laughs> I think that's yeah, top ten. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, let's not I think give that away for free right now. I think canon is unlimited, so oh. I think you can canonize as much as you want, and I would canonize this. Yeah, you're either canon or not, and I'd say it'll be majority rules. Okay. And I would say this is in the canon, so yeah, it's in the learning the tropes rom-com canon mm-hmm. which is unlimited it's not just 10 films okay yeah you're either worthy or not and this is worthy yes do we do swoons for movie episodes we don't but you're allowed to swoon anytime you want to oh if you Pat, feel do like you something have a swoon? Is, is 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 totally making you swoon then let it out um I mean, my swoon would be so off-brand for the show. I just watch Uncut Gems again on Netflix, and so that's my swoon. But I think, you know, it's not a great learning the trope swoon. But it's 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 what's got me swooning right now. Is that a—so that can't be a, a rom-com because it doesn't end happily. But I would say his romance with his uh, mistress is mm-hmm. up there. Yes. That's one of the great cinematic romances. Yes, I I was I was so invested in seeing them get together. Though I think his real romance was with adrenaline. It was with gambling, yeah, and not yeah. even gambling. Is it a but gambling the, addiction? Yeah, the yeah. feeling that gambling gave him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he the love for that addiction was true, and uh, yeah, I think that that's my swoon. But again, very off learning the tropes brand, uncut gems. I mean, I'd recommend that movie. I, I, I'd get in with you on that swoon. Now, um, oh, I do think... wait. We... We've got a, a group swoon, or at least a swoon me and you, Clayton, need to swoon about. Well, I was going to say, this is more of a plug than a, a swoon, but if we yeah. want to couch it in the swoon to make it seem less mercenary, then we can mm-hmm. totally do that. Yeah, let's say it's a swoon rather than a plug. And let's okay. also keep this part in where we talk about how we're... Uh, <laughs> We're swooning a plug. All right. Do you want me to ask you guys a question or just go for it? No, I think this is kind of free flowing. We can just talk about it. Uh, Swoon away. So we got to swoon about a show that Pat produced Mm -hmm. and wrote on and I wrote on Mm -hmm. and previous guest Aaron Rose Chan wrote on mm-hmm. the great fantasy debate that is available on Facebook watch. Yeah. Yeah. Me and Clayton made like a real show with a real budget. Um, we made a, uh, we sold this to Facebook last year and, and produced it and it's coming out now. It is a comedy debate show about fantasy pop culture. So, you know, it's not romance, but romance and fantasy, I think they're very similar in that they have very passionate fans and very unique attributes. And, yeah, so we made a show about 
fantasy pop culture and it's great and, i love it do you love it oh yeah the it's, show we made uh, uh, oh oh are you asking aaron or are you asking me you i mean i know aaron legally has to love it because she's married to one of the creators so yes will you love all short form tv shows created by this man yes yeah that was in your vows <laughs> Um, I think it's, I mean, honestly, it turned out really great. It's really funny. The talent we have, the comedians are hilarious. The authors really nailed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, and we had big authors. We had like Jim Butcher, Pierce Brown of the Red Rising books. Marie Lu, uh, Naomi Novik, and Tochi Anyabuchi. So these are all fantasy authors. But yeah, it was so fun to work with all these authors and have them in front of the camera and then have them just be so charismatic in front of the camera which is a thing that they don't have to necessarily be to be an author but then they just we we managed to like i think cast really charismatic fun authors for this yes and then we had uh a breakout star in jay jordan who is a hilarious comedian who if you watch the show which we hope you do Mm mm-hmm You'll know what we're talking about. This this kid is going places. He was just yep. magnetic. Yeah, so the show, The Great Fantasy Debate, people could find it. Uh, they have to watch it on Facebook, where you get the Facebook Watch app on your TVs. And then I would say the easiest place, like you could search for Great Fantasy Debate, uh, or you could go to the Penguin Random House page, because uh, that's who we produced it through. And uh, it'll be in the video section on their page. But yeah, there's a new episode every Tuesday. So I think by the time this comes out, there'll be probably four episodes up and then there's eight for the whole season and they're all 10 minutes and they're funny. And uh, yeah. yeah. And you can also, the great thing about it being a Facebook show is that you can react and comment. Mm. And so if you're in our troop, our Facebook troop, I would say get in on that because the latest episode, the one previous to one that would have come out after this comes out, if that's not confusing enough for you, is about best fantasy vacation spots. And that is actually getting a lot of reactions. So jump on there and tell us what you think. The interaction will be very helpful for us because we're hoping for a second season. And so the more people who watch it and interact with it, the more chance that that happens. Yeah. So that's our swoon is a thing that we uh, got paid to make. Nice. Listen, swooning over a paycheck ain't nothing wrong with that. Uh, and it's a really, really fun show, too. Um, and everyone had such a great time uh, making it. Um, so you can tell when you watch it sort of like the joy everyone had. So it was a good uh, it's a good thing to swoon about, and it's a fun thing to watch for the Thanks, whole family. Aaron. Thank yeah. you. Thanks for upholding your marriage vows. <laughs> Aaron, what are you swooning about? I just want to bring up, because I just finished the whole series, and I really, really loved it. Sophie Jordan has a series that starts with uh, While the Duke Was Sleeping, which is a romance novel version of While You Were Sleeping, obviously. It takes on a lot of the same beats but it's really really wonderful and it kicks off a really fantastic series so if you loved while you were sleeping check out while the duke was sleeping because i think you're probably going to enjoy it 
So if you want to recommend a rom-com for us to read, if you have a different opinion than us about while you were sleeping, if you have any comments, you want to talk about how much you love the great fantasy debate, you can always email us at learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at Learning Tropes and on Instagram at Learning the Tropes. Like we mentioned before, we have our Facebook group, the the Learning the Tropes Troop, that you can join. Um, You can also sort of let us know your opinions there as well. Uh, We all three of us check in there pretty regularly. Regularly, so we love to hear what you guys think. Um, next week, we are going to be reviving the Vectal test, and we are reading Strange Love by Anna Guire. Uh, it's an alien romance. I've heard it's a cinnamon roll alien, so I'm excited for whatever that might mean. Um, so go ahead, pick that up. I think it is on Kindle Unlimited. So if you have that, then that's great. Or wherever you get your books. Learning the Tropes is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you love at frolic.media backslash podcast. Bye, everybody. Bye. Be safe. Bye.